Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Yeah. I started drinking more to deal with all of the anger that I was feeling. I felt unheard, unseen, totally vulnerable, 100% of the time, out of control. And, yeah, it just put me into a place where eventually I was, I was living with a narcissistic sociopath and just thinking this was great while I was also... You know, I'm I'm free. I'm I'm an adult person who's taking you know right. responsibility for their right. life, and I am all powered and empowered, and this is great. But at the same time, I was in the worst place emotionally that I actually, in reality, ever had been. Um, and it really took uh, a lot for me to be uh, surrendered enough. Where I I said, you know, I actually found God in the middle of that where he showed up and he said, I'm here, I haven't left you. Welcome to Life Support, a weekly program and podcast hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson and featuring trauma survivors in conversation with other trauma survivors. You just heard from today's guest, author Jenny Priz. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now Come Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Today we wrap up a series of programs taped at the annual conference of the American Association of Christian Counselors in Orlando, Florida. And with today's interview, here once again is Pastor Paul Johnson. Hey, so glad to have you on Life Support. We're really pleased to be at the Waymaker World Conference in Orlando, Florida, sponsored by the American Association of Christian Counselors. And we're talking to many healthcare professionals and people with stories here that want to lead you closer to Christ in suffering. And that's really what we're trying to do here on Life Support, because Jesus really does emerge in darkness and suffering. And I have with me now an author and television personality with a great, incredible story. Her name is Ginny Priz, and thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Paul. Very nice to have you. You're at New Jersey. Well, Well, you're a Florida native. I'm a Jersey girl. Jersey girl now (laughs) from Nashville. Yes, now I'm in Nashville, but I was in New Jersey uh, all growing up for 25 years. So, Gotcha. And you've just written a book called Ditch the Drama. Yes. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the drama. Tell me about yourself. Well, I, I was born with only part of my right arm. And that at that point, you know, 40 years ago, they didn't have the sonogram technology that they do now. And I was a big surprise. And so my parents really, uh, they were in prayer with their, their friends and all of that. Surprise, Ginny's got one arm. What do you do with this? There's You can go a lot of different directions with it. But everyone really overwhelmingly received from the Holy Spirit that I was made exactly as God wanted me to be made. And my parents really passed that on to me and told me that because there was no physical reason that they could point to for I just won the lottery it happens to one in every 2,000 children and that was me I won Um, but what that told me was God really wanted me and that I was made specifically for a purpose and so that was something that I I took with me throughout my life so that I didn't have to worry that this was something where I was lacking Um, and it wasn't something that I was you know I had challenges I had to figure out how to do everything and I still do have to figure out how I'm going to do everything but I have not felt the grief um, that a lot of people I think have gone through if they feel like they are lacking in their life my my drama actually came from uh, 
a lot of other places, but that's the one thing that I knew I could always uh, land on and point to. What was it like to grow up with that? Yeah. Did you have to kind of work things out on your own or... I was very independent yeah. because when people showed me what to do, they were showing me with two hands. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and sure. I'm like, that's great. You're showing me that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. So let, get out of my way and yeah. let me do right. it myself because I'm going to have to figure it sure. out. So I was very independent. And even to this day, I still have trouble asking for help. It's not my first instinct. I want to try and just do it myself. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the same school system uh, with a lot of the same friends growing up, and they knew me. And and, and for them, it was, you, that was just you, right? Yeah, so, that was just me. They would yeah, forget yeah. that I had two hands, and sure. they'd ask me to do, you know, like a cat's cradle with all the string in the yeah, hands, right, and I'm right. like, ah, sorry, guys. Yeah. But I had a hook growing up, and... Um, just a lot of different types of prosthetics. One of them had wires and hinges and straps all the way around my back. So I got a lot of questions because people thought I had just broken my arm. I see. And I'd have to explain to them, no, I was born with only part of my right arm. This is a prosthetic. And I was the one that was comfortable with it, and they were not. So yeah. I use humor. I've got a lot of one-arm liners <laughs> out the door. I'm very handy like that. And so it, it just lets them know I'm cool about it so they can be more relaxed about it. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Well, good for you. So what, what about the book, Ditch the Drama? Tell me the genesis of that book. Yeah. Um, growing up, I was very codependent. Uh, what I would learn later on in life is that my family, from both sides, there's, there's a history and pattern of alcoholism uh, that came down. And so I wanted to perform and make sure everyone was okay and be the peacemaker. And that codependency opened the door to a sexual assault in college and then continuing patterns of um, narcissistic relationships or with other people. So that was something that I couldn't understand what was going on with me. I thought that was just me, but I would stuff my emotions until I exploded on somebody and it would be just a, eventually my friends would just leave because I couldn't be stable enough to uh, to have an adult <laughs> and authentic relationship Mm -hmm. where I could address any issues. And so I eventually became an alcoholic uh, myself and thought, oh, well, this is how you just medicate. You you just drink. I had so many emotions. I had to figure out how do I stop feeling them because I just didn't know what to do with them. And that's really where I received a lot of feedback from people. You're so dramatic. Oh, my gosh. You're so... (laughs) Stop it. I heard that all the time. You know, like, can you just ditch the drama? And when I got into recovery, that's when I learned about codependency, when I got into recovery for alcohol. Uh, I got a DUI when I moved to Tennessee, and God kind of smacked me upside the head and said, hey, it's time to do something different now. And um, I really need you to be a leader of women. And I was really in that really broken place at that point. I didn't know how you could be a responsible person and at the same time have gone to jail. My identity was so confused. Right. So I, he, he rebuilt me from that place of, I was in a brand new location. So I didn't have a lot of the same friends and support system around me. I just had God. So I, really focused on the serenity prayer. That was a big part of my early um, 
recovery from codependency and alcoholism. And I really focused on letting go of the things that I couldn't change. And that, when I could trust God with that, was the number one thing that gave me peace. All of that anxiety, all of that internal round and round with the thoughts, the obsession of the mind over other people, I realized I can't do anything about it. This is literally the definition of insanity and doing the same thing over and over again. If I can lay them down and trust God, then I can focus on the things that I can control, which is myself. What, What are my thoughts? What are my motivations? What choices can I make so that I can have um, better relationships? So I started really exploring my emotions and then deciding, oh, I need to cry instead of stepping them. I need to figure out what to do with my anger, you know, do some kickboxing and um, journaling and, and getting it out in a healthy way so that I'm not bringing my emotions about everything else yeah. into my relationships with other drama. people. Exactly. So when this thing happened to you in college, where were you in your faith at that point? Um, I was, my, my parents were Christian. They still are Christian. And I was coming out of the more of a performance-oriented Christianity, I would say, with them because I wanted to please them, and it was more of a culture for us. I didn't necessarily have a direct personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So it was kind of a lifestyle? It was. Mm -hmm. It was. Um, And when when that happened, I was really going through something of a a backsliding, I'll say, where I was going to college and it was my my first semester at college. And because I talked to specific people that I wouldn't say that they were counselors or people who would know, but more my peers. When I explained to them what had happened to me, I, you know, I wasn't raped. And that was, for me, the definition of, okay, if I was raped, something was wrong. But because I wasn't raped, what I heard consistently was nothing happened. Yeah. And, and if it did, it was your fault or you're being overdramatic. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because I, I did go into that room. I did go into that bedroom. I put myself in a place. I was an after school special. You know, I put myself in a place that was dangerous and I didn't need to be there. But my codependency of, oh, there's someone back there who needs my help put me in a place where I was, I was vulnerable. But isn't that a common uh, theme among victims? There's that shame of if I just wouldn't have... And then somehow society dumps all of it back on the victim, right? Or at least that's been the pattern a lot of times. Yes. We hear it repeatedly, repeatedly. No matter what the situation has been or the assault or the attack, it's consistent that the enemy tells us it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. And in some way, I do believe that it's easier for us to process as, at first at least, as it is our fault. Because if it wasn't our fault... What we then have to face is our true helplessness in the world and how vulnerable we actually really are on a daily basis. And that, after you've experienced something that is is traumatic, you already have this overwhelming sense of helplessness. To add to that sense of helplessness is almost impossible. So we push it back on ourselves because Mm -hmm. it's actually the brain easier. It's easier for the brain to deal with that way. More from Pastor Paul and Ginny Priz in just a moment. 
This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, and we're excited to announce that musical artist Sarah Groves will be performing as a benefit of these life support resources. The date is February 24th, and tickets are now on sale. If you're in the Twin Cities area, you can link to the tickets at www.fivestonemedia.com. That's Five Stone Media, spell it out, fivestonemedia.com. Also performing will be original music from Eagle Brook Music, and the MC for the night is comic Bob Stromberg. And now, back to today's interview and Pastor Paul. You already have this overwhelming sense of helplessness. To add to that sense of helplessness is almost impossible. So we push it back on ourselves because mm-hmm. it's actually the brain easier. It's easier for the brain to deal with that way. And of course, the enemy deals with a little bit of truth. <laughs> right. So I remember when I was in high school, there were many um, pastors that were saying to women, like, you have to dress modestly. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, well, you're bringing this on yourself. Mm-hmm. Now totally wrong it, right. a little bit of truth just enough because yes a woman should dress modestly, modestly if we're believers right right but even then there was this idea that somehow men couldn't control themselves and women mm-hmm. were responsible right and that has played itself out in so many horrific instances you've experienced personally we're seeing it with the gymnasts who are up on capitol hill mm-hmm. i mean terrible things mm-hmm yeah. And, and when do you think society is actually going to deal with this? I, I think it would be fantasy to, to think that You think it'll just be kind society, of part of a fallen world? Yeah, I think it's yeah. going to, it's really going to be, every generation is going to have its own uh, awakening and seasons and um, things that are, that are will be brought to the surface, but then will just kind of fall by the wayside. Me Too was a great, it's a great movement. Um, we've got more awareness out there. There's more people who are willing to share their voice and speak up, but we've still got the problem. Yeah. And there's not a lot of solutions happening. So yeah. I think that because it is a broken world and because these things do, do tend to snowball yes. and go out further, um, that we will just continue to have different versions of the same issue. Yeah, until Jesus comes back and puts everything Amen. the way it's supposed and to be. And he will, but yes, he, he uses will. that. He uses yes. those those really broken places to get people fired up, like myself. Um, yeah, how did you with... use it in your life? So you said you went through a period of time after that where yeah. kind of like, was was it re-victimization where you just kind of, kind of kept... Oh yes, shame, that, I, shame, shame. Yeah, and that I kind started. Of thing. I started having panic attacks. Yeah. I started drinking more to deal with all of the anger that I was feeling. I felt unheard, unseen, totally vulnerable, a hundred percent of the time, out of control, and yeah, it just put me into a place where eventually I was I was living with a narcissistic sociopath, and just thinking this was great while I was also. You know, I'm I'm free. I'm I'm an adult person who's taking you know right. responsibility for their right. life, and I am all powered and empowered, and this is great. But at the same time, I was in the worst place emotionally that I actually, in reality, ever had been. Um, and it really took uh, a lot for me to be uh, 
surrendered enough where I, I said, you know, I've actually found God in the middle of that where he showed up and he said, I'm here. I haven't left you. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It was beautiful. And I, that's what saved me because I, I, my personality changed very quickly because I calmed down and I was actually being controlled by him through fear. He knew he could, if he could just get me scared enough, I'd run to him for support. But when God came back to me and said, hey, and I was open to listening to him, be real. (laughs) I was the one who was changing. And and when that fear couldn't control me and I was like, you know what? I trust God and it's going to be okay. He wanted nothing to do with me anymore. And so that relationship uh, broke up because I couldn't be controlled. So the guy was controlling you. God came into the picture and you were free to get out of that relationship yes so when did you come to the point where you realized that you wanted to give back you've 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 written the book you're involved with celebrate recovery right right or have been and so when did you get to the place where you were healthy enough to say you know what i i've been called to help others it was three years into my sobriety um that i because i was so just desperate to rebuild my identity and and Mm -hmm. asking him what's the next thing what's the next thing that I need to learn from me and after three years I had still no plans to do anything I I was like maybe I'll just uh, lead a small group at Celebrate Recovery one day in the future and God told me two things he said you need to write and you need to speak and he said that over and over and over and over. And I was like, well, what do I write and what do I speak? And he just kept saying that for a long time to me until finally I really started to under, understand that, or I started to understand that he wanted me to reveal the healing that I had received so that other people could have it as well. And my, once I started that journey, I realized you guys, you don't have to stay here. Mm -hmm. You don't actually have to stay here. I didn't realize that there was more. And I wanted other people to know there's more than this. You don't have to be stuck here. This idea of I'm an empowered woman isn't freedom. But let me show you what is freedom. It's actually surrender to God. Good for you. It's beautiful. And what, what kind of reactions did you see happening around you as you began to share your story? Hmm. I think that people, uh, when I shared my story with people who uh, were in a broken place, were in a hurting place, it gave them the freedom to share, for the, maybe for the first time, things that they had never shared before. It, it's the gift, we call it the gift of going second, where by us going first, we're giving others the gift to go second. Right. And I think the, I, there's specifically one woman who who tells me, you saved my life. You just totally saved my life just by sharing your story. And it's really goes back to the scripture where we overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Right. And it's, it's just part of that. Nobody can argue with my testimony. They, right. they, can't, yep. they can't tell me it didn't happen. That's right. They can't tell me I didn't get freedom. Um, they can't tell me that my experience is invalid because it's my experience mm-hmm. and it's just enough in, uh, inspiration for other people to go, wow, maybe I could ask God to come into my life that way. Maybe I could do some healing in my own story. Maybe I can take the next step. What would you say to a woman who's listening right now who's saying to herself, yeah, that sounds good for you, but I, 
I, I was pretty broken, and I don't really like talking about myself, and I'm not sure God can really use me for that much. What would you say? Ooh, God has a heart for healing. He has a heart for using people. There's, if you woke up this morning, there's breath in your lungs. He's got a purpose yeah. for you. He's yeah. got a plan for you. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to earlier when we were talking about when I was born and I said, I, I was born specifically and for a purpose. We all are. My brand of unique is just a little showier than the rest, but he mm-hmm. put time, attention, specific um, ideas, DNA, Everything that he, your personality, your tendencies, he put that together for a purpose. Absolutely nothing is wasted. He will use the hurt that we've been through to fuel us, to give us that purpose as well, or to solidify that purpose so that we can be walking in step with his plan, which has so much more eternal value than it ever has physical value in what we'll see. I know that my treasures are in heaven. If you talk to one person, yeah. One person, yeah. you can change the world. Yeah, and I like that because I know for me, like, I often sit back and go, like, well, what if this stuff didn't happen to me or in my life? And what if I wouldn't have made that decision? What if, what if, what if, what if? But what I'm really saying to God is you're not good enough to get to this is where you want me right now. Right. In his providence. He doesn't want me to mm-hmm. sin. He doesn't He doesn't want evil to destroy me. Absolutely but, not. Yeah. While these things are happening in a broken world, he's sitting there weaving together his tapestry, mm-hmm. which is the amazing thing about God. And it's really kind of beyond understanding. Yeah. Yeah, we call it using the fertilizer of our past yeah. to bloom today. Yeah. And when I go to him, uh, specifically about the world in general, because there's always upheaval. And in recent yeah. years, it always seems like there's more every year. Yeah. Um, and I keep going, God you got to, where's the hope in this? Where's the hope in this? There's so much hurting out there. There's so much chaos. And he reminds me, everybody needs a rock bottom. And I use those for fertilizer. And that sometimes people need those, those dark places and that confusion in order to have a, a new beginning. Yeah. And really reach out to him and receive from him for the first time. Like the, um, the wheat that needs to die and fall in order to be reborn again. And that gives me hope and reminds me to not stress and so much. And you're sitting here, and, and I know that those who are listening on radio can't see it, but you're, you're just glowing. Oh, thank you. When you're I talking, talking about this. I, I love I know, talking about And you God. can tell that God's doing an amazing work in your life. So tell me about the book, Ditch the Drama. What's it about and where can one pick it up? Sure. It's sold on Amazon is the easiest way to get it, of course. Um, it's, it's a study on the serenity prayer. And I go through, word by word, God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And it's in very plain English. It's a small book because it's not about compl- being complicated. It's about ditching the drama. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, accepting the things we cannot change. A lot of times we are thinking about all the terrible things that are, that are out there. But if you think about it, what we cannot change is God, who is loving us with this immense power and this immense love. How much time do we spend accepting that? 
Yeah. Usually not not a lot. So it, there's so many good things like that that are packed into that serenity prayer. I give you practical tools, exercises, and examples of how to implement that in your life, in your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with those around you. And there's a study guide that comes with it, right? There is a study guide that comes with it, exactly. And uh, the tools are... You're able to use them separately or you're able to use them all together. And obviously more powerful when you're using it together. And real quickly, you're a television host as well. Yes, I am. So uh, Bloom Today, I am the anchor of that show. We just finished recording our 100th episode. Wow, good We for are you. in over 200 countries and uh, on 40 networks, both broadcast and IP networks, and we're translated into Dutch and Romanian as well, which is really amazing. We talk about all the shame-based subjects, things that nobody wants to talk about, and we bring it out from under the rug. We shed light on it. We shed hope on it. We bring humor to these really hard, difficult stories because hope is found in every single story. Yeah. Well, Ginny Priz, the author of Ditch the Drama, it's been really good to meet you. Uh, all the best. Thank thanks for dropping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And what Ginny's talking about is something maybe you haven't experienced. And the love of Christ is immeasurable. It never stops. Um, his children are precious to him. And if you are a child of God, just know that he will never forsake you. He's promised that. Um, Ephesians tell us that you know we are sealed for the day of redemption. And so you never have to wonder if God is still around. You may be living in the past and thinking, if I would have just done something different. No, God doesn't live in the past. God lives in the future. And so just trust him as you move forward. And I think that Shanice's testimony really points that out well. I really want to thank our wonderful partners here that helped make this show possible. Faith Radio Network at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out at Ridgewood Church as well, MyRWC.org. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. This has been Life Support, a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.